We're excited to have with us Dr. Kevin Lehman, who is an internationally known Christian psychologist, New York Times best-selling author. He has written over 30 books. I want to give you some of the books that he has written, the birth order book. And by the way, he was at the book table out in the foyer with my assistant, Mary Boyce, um, going over her birth order with her. And so just be careful if you're around him for an extended period of time. Um, Why you are the way you are, having a new kid by Friday, making children mine without losing yours. Sherry and I have read this book. Um, Our children did mine. We did lose ours. Single parenting that works. First time mom. What a difference a daddy makes. Sheep music. Uncovering the secrets of sexual intimacy in marriage. Seven things he'll never tell you, but... You need to know, and his most recent book is The Way of the Wise. His book provides life-changing techniques and, and wisdom to help us as we live life, as we um, live in relationship with our spouses, as we seek to parent our children, and as we seek to get along with other people. Kevin Lehman has appeared on Oprah, CNN, Good Morning America, CBS Early Show, Um, Today, The View, Fox and Friends. So he has made the circuit, and we have him here with us today. Kevin lives in Tucson, Arizona with his wife, Sandy. They have five children. And what he is going to say this morning, if you listen and you let God speak, is going to absolutely change your life. And what he is going to share with us tonight And tomorrow, God will use to help you in your relationship. So would you help me welcome Dr. Kevin Lehman. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. I've got to tell you, you're the hippest looking pastor I've seen in years. (laughs) He's got a good looking wife on top of that. You guys are blessed to have Pastor Rocky around, I'll tell you. A couple things. I want to parrot what you said, Pastor. These events we have, like tonight, these are life-changing events for people. It's not just, if I'm a man and my wife says to me, Hey, honey, I'd like you to come to church. I have this guy in town from Arizona. Hey, I don't want to waste my time listening to some guy talk. There's football tonight or whatever. Okay? I understand that mentality. I've been at this a long time. And I do it because I have a passion for marriage. I have a passion for families. I'm telling you, it ain't working. We're not doing very well. And so tonight is a life-changing experience. Uh, you know, we talk about life as it really is. I've been married for 46 years uh, in a row. And uh, it's the in a row part that's, that's difficult, quite frankly. You know, I know a lot of people have married 30 years. 10 to this one, 10 to that one, 10 to that one. But I'll tell you, it, th- there's things to learn. And women, God bless women. I mean, I love women. I can think like a woman. Uh, but... They are so weird. (laughs) Can you talk about hunting down here in South Carolina? Can you talk about hunting? Is that okay? You know, women are reminiscent of bird dogs. If you've ever watched a bird dog work a field, it's sort of fun. Because a good bird dog will work that field back and forth, and they'll run. They run back and forth, back and forth, and all of a sudden they come on the center of that bird, and they come to a point. Well, women have the ability to come to the same point, you know, like a bird will. He'll, he'll, he'll send that bird, and he'll stop, and the front paw will come up, nose will go out straight, 
tail will go out back, and he'll hold that point. Women do the same thing. Sometimes when they're shopping. Oh! Oh! Look, I want the door. I'm going to get two of them. Oh, they got both of them. Or they see their girlfriend who just got a new hairdo. That's always interesting. Oh, I love your hair. Which, which is the sign for the woman, the other woman, to say, oh, don't even mention my hair. Listen, I went layered and feathered and I, with my neck bone and my angular this and that. And my coloring, I went layered and feathered. And she pulls out a picture and shows her girlfriend what it was supposed to look like. Now, I'm shortening this conversation for time purposes. Two men meet. One got a haircut. Got a haircut, huh? Yep. And a conversation. <laughs> Tomorrow night we're going to talk about kids. I've written lots of books. More than you want to know. But uh, we're going to talk about kids today have attitudes. They have mouths on them. You know, the teenager. I wrote a book called Have a New Teenager by Friday. Wrote a book called Have a New Kid by Friday. Have a New Husband by Friday. Will there ever be a book called Have a New Wife by Friday? No, there will not. But uh, teenagers will come in and say things like, get off my case, get out of my life, give me space, chill out, back off, don't have a cow man. What's fun about that is, and we'll talk about this tomorrow night, is that same kid an hour and a half later will come in and say, hey, Dad, yeah, can I take the car? Well, I'd love to help you, son, but right now I'm uh, out of your life. And so we're going to give parents ways of dealing with kids in a practical way. Tomorrow morning we have a leadership session going on, okay? A leadership thing that's, we need a mic change. How are we going to do that? I've known him for 15, 20 minutes. 20 now. minutes, yeah. <laughs> that better? Yeah, it is better, isn't it? You didn't hear a word I said, did you? <laughs> Let's start over again. Hi, nice to be here. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I think that people of faith, Christians, ought to have fun. We do a cruise once a year called Love, Laugh, and Learn. I tell people in churches all across America, if you're a fun person, we'd love to have you on our cruise. We go to the Caribbean in February. If you're not a fun person, we prefer you stay home. <laughs> I think if you know the living God, you ought to have a smile on your face and a smile in your heart. And I'm telling you, we're far from that as a church. Because so many of us are so busy following the rules, and we don't realize it's not the rules, it's the relationship we have with our Creator that makes all the difference in the world. Now, I grew up in Williamsville, New York, which is a suburb of Buffalo, New York. And uh, if there's one thing I didn't want to do in life, it was to be a Christian. I avoided Christians like the plague. And God bless my mother. I mean, she dragged me to church every Sunday. I knew every Bible st story there ever was. But I thought Christians were the geekiest, weirdest people known to mankind. And I went out of my way to avoid them. As a kid, I graduated fourth of my class in high school, which sounds pretty good. But unfortunately, it was fourth in the bottom <laughs> and not fourth in the top. 
Now, I grew up in politically incorrect America. They didn't care, quite frankly, about your feelings. That was the last thing somebody cared about when I grew up as a kid. And we had reading groups in our school system, and they signified it was sort of a caste system where you were. We had the red birds and the blue birds and the yellow bird group. I was a crow. <laughs> and we knew who we were, you know. And one of my vivid memories is just a six-year-old kid in elementary school was sitting there next to a girl who was eating paste. Do you remember the three-inch jars of white paste that were part and parcel to your elementary school education? Well, I remember her looking over there, and she had a her index finger down there and had a big jaw, and she's eating the paste. And one of my vivid memories is just looking at her and thinking, I know I don't belong in this group. <laughs> but God bless the school system. They had this wonderful way of finding the culls of society. And of course, once a crow, always a crow. Now my mother, God bless her, she did bring me upright, okay? She had wall hangings in my room as a kid. Uh, two of them I hated. One of them was a picture of Jesus knocking on the door. You know, it, wa it wasn't until I was almost 22 years of age that I really came to appreciate what that sig significant, uh, what that signified. Uh, and there's no door on the, or no uh, doorknob on the outside, if you recall. I hated that sucker. I was uh, ashamed to have it in my room when my buddies came over and we played. And then there was this little plaque that said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I despise that sucker. Uh, and I tried to get rid of it. She insisted I put it, she just put it up. Just put it up. It's going to stay there, you know. She prayed for me every day of my life. I went out of my way to avoid knowing the Lord. I applied to colleges and universities you never heard of. I went to my guidance counselor in April of my senior year, a little Italian guy by the name of Messino, about this tall. I said, Mr. Messino, I too want to go on to college, on to a university. I'll never forget this moment. He pulled on his glasses and he looked at me. He said, Lehman, with your grades and your record in this school, I couldn't get you admitted to reform school. <laughs> that was the end of the conversation. And uh, I got in college on probation, 12-unit load. School's located in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we still have a working agreement. I'm not allowed to give the name of the school out. <laughs> and, and then they had the sense of throwing me out a year and a semester later. And I came down to Tucson, Arizona, where my parents had just moved from the snow and ice of Buffalo, New York. I got a job as a janitor. I wanted a job, you know, an executive-level position, but I couldn't find one at 19. So I took the only job that was offered to me, $195, by the way, a month full-time. Now, here's the question. Does God work in mysterious ways? Okay, here it is. I'm swabbing the floor. Now, this is what you got to know about me, okay? I got a steel gray uniform with a cross broom and a mop on the side. I've got a cap front tooth that had worn a hole through it. So I had a hole right in the middle of my front tooth. I was a looker. And, 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 and just that day, I had seen this chick in the hospital, okay? Five foot nine, knocked down, gorgeous chick. Shazam! That is a woman. And I paid a janitor, another janitor, $5, which is a lot of money in 1964, to introduce me to this chick. Well, that day... I'm swabbing the floor in the men's restroom. I got the barrel in the front door to tell people don't come in, okay? 
my wife-to-be comes in the men's restroom. I met her in the men's restroom. <laughs> and she's helping some little old guy go potty, okay? And I, I thought, oh, that's her, that's her. Say something stupid. And trust me, I was always good at saying stupid things, okay? And so I, I said, oh, uh, 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 would you like to go to the World's Fair with me? It's the first thing I said to my wife. Would you like to go to the World's Fair with me? Well, the year's 1964, and if you remember, some of you, the World's Fair was where? In New York. So she was always the smart one of the two of us. She said, well, I don't know. I said, well, how about lunch then? I moved quickly. And we went to McDonald's, and we, we split a 20-cent cheeseburger, okay, and a 10-cent Coke. By the way, how many of you are old enough to remember the 15-cent burger? Yeah, you're going to die soon. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But uh, I'm telling you, we went to lunch. We had a half-hour lunch, and we boogied up there, wolfed it down. But I'm telling you, I felt like a ton of bricks. I never met a woman like this in my life. She exuded something. I wasn't sure what it was at that time. I couldn't wait for the next morning to start. I couldn't wait to get to my janitorial job at $195 a month to just see this woman. And we started spending every day together, and we dated for four months, and she pops the question. She pops the question. She says, would you like to go to church with me? Oh, uh, you Baptist, you can't beat you Baptist, I'll tell you. Yeah, and, and I thought, oh, no, she's one of them. <laughs> that was the last place I wanted to go was to church. Well, what do you say to this woman you're falling in love with, gentlemen? You lie right through your teeth. I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go to church with you. I'm thinking, oh, what have I got myself into? I remember sitting in her church, the first Baptist church in Tucson, Arizona, and thinking, no chick is worth this. And then she wanted me to come back at night. Why would you come back at night? You already been there in the morning. You didn't do it right? Now this pastor you'll like, because the pastor was talking about the guy who knew who Jesus Christ was in his head, but he didn't know who he was in his heart. And I knew who he was talking about. And friends, every, and I tried to avoid that. I mean, everything that happened that night was supernatural. The beads, you talk about being under conviction of God's Holy Spirit, I'm telling you. I was convicted and then some. I remember the beads of sweat just pouring off of me. And everything that happened was supernatural. I walked out of that place that night clean for the first time. Okay? I was a very poor student. Went back to school full-time after becoming a believer. Worked full-time, went to school full-time. The Lehmans were poor people. And got on the dean's list. Now, I was on a lot of dean's list before that, but never a positive dean's list. <laughs> and And... And, and, you know, 40-some books later and married forever and five kids and have taught millions of people, uh, is God in the habit of taking ordinary people and doing extraordinary things? Now, let me point out one thing about my wife. She later told me kissing me was like kissing an ashtray because when she met me, I was cool. I walked cool, smoked Salem cigarettes, If she would have come to me in those first couple dates and said, uh, listen up, bucko, a couple of things. Number one, let me share with you the four spiritual laws. I wouldn't be standing here today. You know what? Sometimes we come a little too quickly. We beat people over the head like baby seals. 
And the fact is, you just got to love people. If you watch Jesus' ministry, he always did something wonderful. He always met people where they were at. And he always spoke the truth. And I put together a, a little book called The Way of the Wise. And it's a book that I wrote in 57 days. And the publisher said, Lehman, this book must have been in your heart. Well, this is the scripture that my mother, God rest her soul, she lived to be 95, by the way, so she got to see some things her youngest son did in life. But she wrote Proverbs 3, 1 through 6 in my Bible. And King Solomon, of course, is the author of this. These, just listen to this. Do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. This is the part you all know, okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And realize it says paths, not path. I think we have many paths in life. You know, I was a kid that uh, was unteachable. You can't teach somebody anything who knows everything. My friend Chuck Swindoll, many of you probably have been blessed by his ministry over the year. Chuck is one of my friends in life. He's the baby of the family, by the way. That's where that marvelous sense of humor comes from. He's a marvelous Bible teacher. I've had him as a guest on my radio show. And uh, he tells a story about going to a seventh grade Sunday school class. Boys. God bless those who teach seventh grade boys anything. He says, boys, what's green and says ribbit? Nobody says a word. Come on, boys. What's green and says ribbit? One kid finally ponies up. He says, well, I think it's a frog, but I'll say Jesus. <laughs> now, see, there's a kid that didn't connect the dots. Hey, humor me for a second, would you? Would you point to yourself real quickly? Everybody, just point to yourself. Where do we point to? We point to our heart. There's a difference, see, between having head knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and having him literally live in your heart. You know, the heathens believed that billions and billions of years ago, these amino acids got together in space. And from that blending of the amino acids, we got centipedes, cockroaches, donkeys, horses, monkeys, human beings, and daffodils. Now, those are people that have great faith. If you believe that, you got great faith. In the beginning, God created. I had a friend who's got a PhD in atmospheric physics tell me, Kevin, you know, the Earth's access is 23 and a half degrees. You move it one degree this way, we'd fry. Life could not exist with a one degree shift in the rotation of the Earth, in the axis, okay? One degree the other way, we'd freeze to death. Is God who he says he is? He is. He is the living God. And he sent his son here. So we can have some idea of who God is. Wow, there's the perfect one. But moving from head knowledge to heart knowledge to heartfelt commitment, that's the key to live the Christian life. What I find amazing is in God's Word, we see Jesus' birth prophesied 700 years before it happened. And check this out. The exact words that Jesus said on the cross are recorded in four different places. The exact words he said on the cross. This is the God we worship this morning. My little daughter, uh, Chrissy, our second born, we have five kids. 
She blessed us with two grandchildren, little Connor and Adeline. I was tucking in little Adeline one night when we were babysitting so they could go out for an evening free of the enemy. And uh, I was tucking in little Adeline, who was just six, and she had just lost a tooth. And just out of the blue, she looks up at me and says, Grampy, what's the tooth fairy look like? Uh, tooth fairy? Um, what's tooth fairy look like? Um, um, like Tinkerbell, just like Tinkerbell. You know what she said? She said, thank you, Grampy. I love you, Grampy. Good night, Grampy. And she was gone. That's childlike faith. You know, when the angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a baba. You know, Mary was probably about 15 years of age. Do you know that? And what did she say? Did she say, what? Are you out of your mind? No. She said, let everything you say come true just as you said it. See, that's that, that's that childlike faith that each of us need if we're going to grow in love with our Heavenly Father. I'm a humorist, whatever that means. I think God was the original humorist when he said this, the two shall become one. That's one of the funniest things you ever said, Lord. It's like, we're going to develop that tonight, by the way, when we talk about how women are really weird and, and men are strange. And God comes and says, the two shall become one. That's, that's going to be worth showing up for. But, you know, i got a chapter in this little book called Attention Walmart Shoppers, Jesus has Left the Building, where I talk about cheap Christians. And I'm telling you, I've met my share of cheap Christians. And I don't get it. I really don't. If you really love God, how can you be cheap? How can you be cheap? You know, I believe in natural tithing. If you ever hear someone use the term natural tithing, they stole it from me because I created it. If you see a need in someone's life and you can meet that need and you can meet it anonymously, all the better. There's the real blessing in life. But you know, at this time of year, the Butterball Turkey people crank up their hotline. They have a hotline to help people. A lot of young women, especially, who are starting out trying to do life right, they don't know how to fix a turkey. So you get to call a hotline and ask a question. Well, someone called in and said, yeah, I've got a question. I've got a turkey that's been frozen for nine years. And I want to know if it's safe to eat. Well, the woman said, well, I've never been asked a question. I'm going to have to check with the supervisor. She checked with the supervisor, came back and said, well, if you're absolutely sure it's been frozen for the entire nine years, it's actually safe to eat. But just between you and me, she said, you know, I, 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 don't, I, I wouldn't take a chance. You know what the woman said on the other end? She said, you know what? I think I'll donate it to the church. <laughs> you know, the way I read it, God doesn't want your crumbs. He wants it right off the top. And uh, when Jesus did things, by the way, he did things perfectly. When he changed the water into wine in John 2, one, one of my favorite passages in all of God's Word is John 2. Book of John, if you're going to just read a book for fun, read the book of John. It's just loaded with so many great things. But there's his first miracle at Cana, okay? And they're at a wedding feast, and they run out of vino. They run out of wine. And Jesus' mother's there. The disciples are there. And Jesus' mother says, Hey, son, come here. Do your thing. <laughs> now, what does Jesus say to his mother, Mary? He says, Woman, what have you to do with me? He separates himself from his mother. He shows his irritation with his mother by calling her woman. Okay? Now, what does Mary say to Jesus? Does she say, What did you say? 
You ungrateful little snot. You know I gave birth to you when I was 15 years of age. That's not what the Bible says. You talk about a smart Jewish mother, you know what she did? She turned to the servant and said, do whatever my son tells you to do. Did she know who Jesus was? Obviously. The guy tastes the wine, which is interesting. He says, you're different from most. This is top shelf stuff. See, God gave us the perfect one. He gave us the best when he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus always did things perfectly. When he healed the blind man, you didn't hear the blind man say, well, I can see the big E. Vaguely. No. He, he was healed. He could see. He did a pretty good job with Lazarus, didn't he? Remember when Martha and the ladies were upset with Jesus because he was taking his time and, and Lazarus was sick and in fact he died? Jesus was a little irritated. But he finally went there. And, and I love how they depict this in the in the film they show at Easter time every year where Jesus is standing outside of the tomb and he puts his hand forth. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And here comes this dead dude with these ceremonial bandages falling off him as he walks. That's the God we worship today, friends, the living God. You know, they mocked Jesus when he was on the cross. If you're the king of the Jews, why don't you get off that cross there, big guy? Do you know what Jesus could have done to his mockers with just one thought? They could have been disintegrated to ashes. But he had to what? He had to fulfill the Lord's will. You ever feel like uh, you're down on yourself? You beat yourself up? You don't quite measure up? Take heart. You know, in writing The Way of the Wise, I discovered something. That there weren't 12 dumber people in all of God's word than the disciples. Those guys didn't get it. They were stupid, to put it bluntly. When you think about it, there with Jesus when he fed the 5,000. They were there at Canaan when he performed his first miracle. They, they saw Jesus, you know, out on the, on the seas when they were frightened. And what was the Lord doing, do you remember? He's catching a few Z's. You see, the human side of Jesus, he's asleep. He's irritated that they woke him up. What's the problem, fellas? Oh, you got a little storm? Okay, don't bother me next time. And see, they saw all these things. They witnessed all these things, and yet they fall short. John 14, one of my favorite passages, okay? Jesus knows the sands of time is going by quickly, okay? He knows he's got to get on that cross. And by the way, does he want to get on that cross? No, he doesn't. The human side of Jesus did not want to get on the cross. He knew what was coming, okay? And uh, he gets the guys together, everybody. says, hey, all right, everybody, listen up. Peter, put your fork down. This is important. Eyes up here. I'm leaving you guys, and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He says, and you know where I'm going. I love this scripture because I identify with the principles in this passage. Thomas comes up first. Thomas says, Lord, I have a foggiest idea where you're going. I love Thomas. He reminds me of Kevin Lehman because he is so stupid. But not to be outdone, meet Philip. Philip comes up next and says, yeah, good point, Tom. Show us the Father and then we'll know. Show us the Father. What does Jesus say to Philip? Philip, after all this time you've been with me, if you've seen me, you've what? Seen the Father. St. Paul called himself wretched. 
If St. Paul is wretched, now think of how many schools and churches are named after St. Paul before you answer the question. If, if St. Paul is wretched, what are you and I? Do you see what I mean? We're in this thing together, aren't we? Look at Romans 3.23, Paul's letter to the Italians. What does it say? Each of us have sinned. Each of us have what? Fallen short of the glory of God. So get off your high horse. Realize you are imperfect. And the perfect one is Jesus Christ. And the only day you're going to look perfect, friends, is that day when you come and you meet your maker. And because of your belief in Jesus Christ, and because of the blood that he shed on that cross, you're going to enter into God's kingdom forever and ever and ever. In this little book, The Way of the Wise, and this is Proverbs 3, 4, then you, will fa- then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Some of you might uh, recall who John Wooden is. John Wooden, or who he was, he's passed away. He lived to be 99 years of age. But he was the uh, basketball coach at UCLA, won several national championships. What I found interesting about his life was this. He never told his team to go out and win. He never told them to win. He told them to play the game of basketball the way it needs to be played. And I'd share that with you this morning, friends. Okay? Don't play it to win. Just live the Christian life the way it needs to be uh, lived out. Your job isn't to win everybody over the head, not to beat anybody over the head. It's, It's to be used by God in His way through the Holy Spirit to help change lives. That's what we do. The old song, they will know we are Christians by our what? Love. I'd love to tell you that every Christian group I've ever rubbed shoulders with is full of love. They're full of a lot of things, but it's not love, some of them. I mean, I've been hammered by the best of them. If you're in the public limelight, and I'm here to tell you, Pastor Rocky's got more than his fair share of uh, Pharisee letters, I call them. I was on the Today Show, okay? I always wear wild socks, okay? Always. (laughs) Socks are sort of my thing. I've worn them for years, okay? And and some, some woman, some Christian lady... A 14-page letter, Pastor. You ever get one of those? 14-page letters, and there's a citation from God's Word throughout the entire thing. She ripped me. She didn't like a thing I said. Dear Dr. Lehman, how appalled I was to hear you call God's gifts our children hedonistic little suckers. That's how she started her thing off. And she just ripped me to the very end. And she didn't like my socks because she thought that was drawing attention to you needlessly and all that. And she signed it, In Christian Love, Ruth. I wanted to punch her out. Well, you know, in a Christian-loving way, of course. You know that. But uh, it, it's, it's interesting. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know this. He didn't get there by himself. Who believed in you? See, my mother, God rest her soul, she believed in me. I used to, I used to cut school on Mondays and Fridays with great regularity. By the way, you talk about how things changed. When I was a kid in high school, we took our guns to school. I took my 410 shotgun to school and gave it to the clerk in the office and said, hang on to this until the end of school. So I was going pheasant hunting after school. Did the thought ever strike any of our minds to take this gun and and shoot our classmates or our teachers? I'm telling you, the world, folks, is way off center. And tomorrow night, we're going to get parents straight and where you need to be in healthy authority over your kids. Not as authoritarians and certainly not as permissives. But you're going to find that session good. And by the way, if your kids are all grown tomorrow night, I mean, come anyway. In our marriage seminar last week in Michigan, 
we had a couple there that was married 63 years. And they were cuter than cute. And I asked them, I said, how, how come? Well, we're, we're still learning. We're still learning. I said, do you think you're going to make it? He said, I think we're going to make it with God's help. But isn't that a joy to know that people 63 years married could show up at a marriage seminar? One of the things that John Wooden shared, by the way, he says, talent is God-given, be humble. Fame is man-given, be, be grateful. Conceit is self-given, be very careful. You know, Christians love to speak in Christianese. In my own home church, we had a guy give a concert. The guy had a marvelous voice, and he ended his concert with a song, My Tribute, To God Be the Glory. You know that song? Got great words. I mean, it's just heartfelt. It gets into your mind and heart. And I went up to the guy afterward, and I just shook his hand. I mean, I, I never tire hearing people saying, hey, thank you for sharing or whatever, okay? But, and I went up to this guy to shake his hand, tell him, hey, thanks for being with us. That was great. And the guy looks at me right now. He says, oh, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And I thought to myself, I could have sworn I saw his lips moving. <laughs> but see, we speak in Christianese. And here's the question. Does speaking in Christianese bring anybody into the kingdom of God? No, is the answer. But loving people as they are, embracing people, engaging people. There's a guy up in the state of Michigan who called his neighbor the Bible thumper. He said, Kevin, every time I went outside, uh, he would be after me to come to hear some quartet or some potluck at his church. We got to the point where mosquitoes or not, if he came outside, we went inside. And one Sunday afternoon, Kevin, he says, I was fixing my lawnmower and it wasn't going well, and I was kicking that thing and using language a uh, sailor might use at sea. And I was so engrossed in it, I didn't see the Bible thumper come over. And all of a sudden, he was right there. And this is the sentence I'll never forget this man shared with me. He said, but this time he left his Bible at home. Interesting statement. And he said, he helped me fix my lawnmower. He said, as I track my pilgrimage with Christ today, and he's the head of the marriage counseling service in his large church in Michigan today. He said, I trace it to that Sunday afternoon where my neighbor, the Bible thumper, came over and helped me fix my lawnmower. You've got to meet people where they're at, and you've got to love them anyway. My favorite chapter in The Way of the Wise is entitled, You're the Potter, I'm the Clay. But I do have a few suggestions. I think that's the struggle that most of us have. I know there's been times in my life when I've said, hey, Lord, move over. I, I can drive. I can drive. I get behind the wheel of my life. Try this. And you've all done this. Trust me, you have. Okay? Every one of you in this room have done this if you believe in Almighty God. Let me take, Lord, I got this one. Just have a seat. Chill. There we are. I'm so stupid. I'm driving down life's way, and I'm saying, see, I can do this. Crash two miles down the road. What's the first word out of my mouth? Lord, are you there? Is that you, Lehman? Yeah. Just call me a little tow truck, get me out of this mess. It's on its way, fat boy. He is able and just to what? Forgive us of our sins. But that, see, that's a lesson that seems to me we learn over and over and over again. Do you ever think about why God's grace is so abundant? Could it be because you and I need it every day of our life? Because we are riddled with imperfection? You know, uh, my uh, high school brought me back a few years ago to put me on their wall of fame. 
This is the school that I graduated fourth from the bottom from. And uh, it, was pro it probably provided me with one of the most personal, exhilarating experiences I ever had in life. Because my mother, God love her, got to come to that ceremony. And I had to drive her up from where she lived in her little retirement place up to Williamsville, which was about an hour and a half drive from Jamestown, New York area. I'll never forget the conversation we had. Hey, Mom, we fooled a few people in life, didn't we? Oh, honey, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. You can't imagine how proud you have made your mother. Mom, do you remember the night the cops brought me home? Oh, I do, yes. But you are such a good boy. <laughs> I said, remember the time I got caught driving golf balls toward the New York State Thruway? Oh, yes, I do. But you were such a good boy. Remember the time I got caught selling the stolen sweaters when I was in college? Oh, yes, I do remember that. But you were such a good boy. You know, all I could think of when I was driving up there was Romans 8.39 that says, Nothing separates you from the love of Christ. Nothing, friends, separates you from the love of Christ. He loves you and me despite our stupidity. Besides the fact that we think inappropriately at times or do things that are inappropriate. Here's the question for you this morning. Can you be a better Christian? That's the question. Can you be a better Christian? Now, before you answer it, let me tell you something. It's a sucker question. Okay? Because the answer is no. You can't be a better Christian. You either love God with all your heart or you don't. Revelation 3, I think it's 3.16. says, if you're lukewarm about me, I'm going to what? spit you out of my mouth. I think that's interesting. The king of kings, the lord of lords, uses the term spit. God's not interested in a lukewarm relationship. If you believe me, you'll do what my scripture tells you to do. Can you be a better Christian? No. It's like asking somebody, can you be better pregnant? You're either pregnant or you're not. You either believe or you don't. It's as simple as that. See, coming to faith really is simple. There's a little scripture over in the Song of Solomon 2.15. It talks about the little foxes that are ruining the vineyard. What are the little foxes in your life this morning? You know, it's the little things that keep you from pure peace with Jesus Christ. It's those things that you don't fork over. So many people say, oh, Lord, I'm yours. All 96%. I just want to hang on to this 4%. I want to have dominion over my 401k and all my finances. The way I see it, God owns you. You're his. And what you have, what you have is only because God has allowed you to have that. And you can't outgive your God, folks, I'm telling you. It's a great experience to give people things. I, my, my best friend in life, uh, Moonhead Deach, Moonhead, I've known him since I was three. But the guy doesn't have two nickels to rub together. I bought him two cars. 
and had them shipped in, one from Arizona, one from Florida. The guy's cars were falling apart. There's great joy in giving to other people and, uh, and doing it with a smile on your face is what really makes things cool as a Christian. Let me close with this thought. How many of you have pictures right now? If we went to your home, we'd see pictures that little kids drew in your home. Maybe they're on your refrigerator door or maybe they've been framed. How many of you have pictures? I'd like, put your hands up, would you? I want people to see how many people have those. Though. Now here's the question. Are those pictures any good? Good. I would say they're downright precious, Lehman. My little grandson, Timothy, drew that picture right there, that airplane for his Grammy. Uh, Ma'am, I talked to Timothy, and uh, that's a dinosaur. (laughs) Well, it's still precious. I believe that's how Almighty God looks at you and I this morning, friends, as these little imperfect pictures that don't have it all together. But the reality is, He loves us anyway. And that we can be glad for today on this Sabbath day. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this loving group of people who will come to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for the pastor and the many working hands behind the scenes that make worship possible and meaningful for us. Thanks for the outreach into the community. Thanks for the other church that's part of this. Thanks for the people who care about you and love you. We want to honor you, Lord, in everything we do. Lord, thanks for this weekend, this opportunity to come and share with people on marriage and parenthood and and our leadership thing tomorrow morning, Lord. People need to hear that. So just be with us and bless our every word. Encourage us on this day, Lord. We love you. In the name of your son, Jesus, who was and is and is yet to be. I think each and every one of us would agree that our world is way off center, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a philosopher to recognize that. What we see with our eyes just verifies what the Word of God says, that that sin is rampant and that it's found in each and every one of us. In my devotional reading, I was reading through Genesis, and in Genesis chapter 6, it's talking about the flood and, and the destruction of the world because of sin, and it says... Every thought in man was sinful all the time. And you may not describe yourself that way, but the fact of the matter is we're sinful through and through, each and every one of us. We have sinful thoughts. We have sinful attitudes. Those sinful thoughts and sinful attitudes, they come out into sinful actions. So what do we do? Since our world is is so turned upside down, what do we do? Like Kevin said, we've got to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't try to do it our way. In all of our way, we acknowledge Him. We, We surrender it all over to Him, and He will direct our paths. We do that, trust Him. Turn it over to Him, and He will take over our life. Is it because we deserve it? Absolutely not. Is it because we're good enough? You're never going to be good enough. Is it because you've arrived at the minimum standard to get into His family? No. 
You will never arrive at that minimum standard on your own. It's because he loves you. He cares for you. And he wants to just throw his grace out all over you and make you his child. If you're here this morning and and you realize that not only is the world upside down, but your life is upside down, and you understand that your best effort is not good enough, and and it never will be good enough. I, I want to invite you this morning to just throw yourself onto the mercy of God. That's what Kevin did when his noun wife invited him to that Baptist church in Tucson, Arizona. And he went reluctantly, not because he was searching for God, but because he found a hot mama. (laughs) And he went to church, and he heard a message. The Spirit of God, something that's hard for us to comprehend, but the Spirit of God convicted him of his need, and he accepted the grace of God. And his life was forever changed. The same thing can happen to you. The same thing happened to me. And if you're here and you've never received the grace of God, and that grace has never poured out into your life and made you a new person, I want to invite you this morning to give your heart and life to Jesus and know what it is to be forgiven, to be loved, and to be a part of God's family. I want you to bow your head with me for just a moment. And if you're here and you say, Rocky, I've never, I've never experienced God's grace in my life. I've, I've never trusted Him with all my heart. I've never surrendered my life to Him. Then this morning, I want to encourage you to take that step. Say, what do I need to do? The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. If you ask Him, He'll save you. So just pray this prayer to Him right now. Dear God, I need you. My best is not good enough. I've tried. And I'm never going to measure up. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I know you love me, Father. The cross proves it. Jesus died for me so that I could be a part of your family. Forgive me right now. I'm giving my life to you. I'm trusting you to save me. I'm trusting you to guide me. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Now look at me. If you prayed that prayer just then, and you meant it with all your heart, because the Bible says trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart. And you meant it with all your heart, welcome to God's family. He heard you. He received you. He saved you. And you're His. And we want to help you in your journey that you've begun with the Father. So here's what we want you to do. On that card we were talking about a little bit earlier, on that back, there is a box there. I pray today to become a lifelong follower of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to encourage you to just check that box. Put that in the offering plate in just a minute. Let us know about that decision. And we're going to tell you how you can begin to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And it's not going to make Him love you anymore because He loves you with an everlasting love. But it's going to help you understand 
how you can live in that grace victoriously and joyfully. So let me encourage you to check that box, put that in the offering plate, let us know. Now at this time we're going to pray, we're going to continue to worship through giving, which is a great joy of us who who know the Lord and who have experienced His grace in our life. So let me pray, and we're going to continue to worship. Father God, thank you for speaking to us this morning. I pray, Lord, that everyone here has experienced your grace. Lord, I pray that you will continue to work in their life. Now, as we give now and as we worship, use this time and use what we give to make us the people you want us to be. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.